And uh, I told you uh, last year I read this book by Tom Rainer, who's the president of Lifeway, entitled I Am a Church Member. I brought it back to our team and I said, you guys got to read this. Uh, Our lead pastor read this and uh, read it and then he bought books for everybody on the staff and said, we've got to all read this. And uh, it's it's that good and we're going to be taking you through that the next two to three weeks. And uh, I'm just really excited about what God has said about membership because for many of you, this idea of membership has kind of been unclear. As a matter of fact, for the millennial generation, I know this, is that membership has kind of been viewed as like, oh, well, that's tradition. That's something that, that you know, my, my parents and grandparents did, and I don't want to do anything traditional. But membership is biblical. And we, we looked at last week that, that biblical church membership is functioning membership focused on the family. That's what we looked at last week is that church membership biblically is functioning membership that's focused on the family. Now, I shared with you some, some misconceptions about membership, and I just want to say these for those who um, may not have been here last week. It's not a club membership. We can be members of Sam's. We can be members of so many different clubs, and that means this. I pay my dues, therefore you serve me. That's not church membership. And it's also not a subscription membership. I, I shared with you that my wife subscribes to, a, to a, a company called Ipsy. And it's makeup that they send you each month in a little pouch. And there are things that she looks through in that pouch and she's like, I might use that, definitely won't use that, might use that, definitely won't use that. And that's not church membership either. Of where we just look at everything and we go, well, if it applies to me and I really like it and it fits my needs and my preferences, then, then I'll do it and I'll be excited as long as I'm into it. That, it's not a subscription membership either. It's a family membership. It's a functioning membership. If you're a church member, you should be a functioning member. It's not this, well, I'll come, I'll look, I'll feel better about myself, I'll just listen to a message, I'll do this, I'll do that, but it's functioning. We get involved in the body. We are functioning. I shared with you also last week, and you need to understand this, Francis Chan, when he went to the church in China, and he was there in a room with, it was an underground church, they were suffering persecution, and he thought it was going to be a training uh, seminar, basically, of how to avoid persecution, but he gets in there and they're talking about and celebrating their persecution. You know what scripture says, rejoice when they persecute you and they say vile things about you, rejoice for your reward is great in heaven. You know all of these things that Matthew 5 tells us, they were actually doing it. Hey, you remember that time when they broke your arm because we shared the gospel? That was awesome, wasn't it? Hey, remember that time that they came in and they busted up that meeting that we were having and they just shot above our heads as we ran? And friends sitting there like, oh my goodness. And, he, and, and then they say, now we have a brother who is from America that has come today. His name is Francis. Francis, stand up and tell us what church in America is like. And how do people find churches in America? How do people come together? And Francis stood up and he said, people in America choose churches based upon what activities they offer for their children. People in America choose churches based upon whether the nursery is hypoallergenic enough. 
People in America choose churches based upon whether or not they can get a close, close enough parking space to the building. People in America choose churches based upon whether or not they like this style or they like that style. People in America choose churches based upon whether or not the music is their taste or the music isn't. And the guy who's 23 years of age, who's the pastor of those people, stands up and he says, where did they get that from this? Because I promise you, everything that we make a big deal out of, you won't find it in here. And, and here's the idea, is that the church at Corinth, when we were looking at this last week, they had a lot of issues, and they look a lot like the American church today. I gave you these, these here are the statistics for the church at Corinth. They had unbelievers attending regularly. Unbelievers attended regularly in the church. People coming in thinking that because I'm a part of something, and they did not know Jesus. They had people living in immorality. Does that sound like the church in America today? People blatantly living in immorality. They had consumers. As a matter of fact, in one chapter we read about is that these people were coming in because they liked the idea of the Lord's Supper, which was actually a whole meal back then. And they would come in and they would take part in that whole meal. And they wouldn't think about what they were there for. They were consumers. You serve me, you give me what I want, I'll be there as long as you do that. They had imperfection in their church. People weren't perfect. There's no one in this church perfect. And here's the last thing. They had division among their membership. And that's what we're going to talk about today is church unity. Because when we look at division in Scripture do you realize that every time a church divides, Satan is excited, happy, pleased? Because all of a sudden, a church that was once used to spread the message of the gospel and the mission of the gospel, now all of a sudden is dying, it's dead, their people turn on one another. This church says, and this is the history of Baptist life, folks. Well, we were a part of First Baptist, and we didn't get along with each other, so we went and started our church, and now we're Second Baptist, and they're First Baptist. Or we didn't get along together, so we went and started a church, and we're calling it Harmony Baptist Church. Makes no sense, does it? See, here's the idea, is that in Scripture, Satan's names, I want, I want to say these to you, this is not an exhaustive list, but here's Satan's names. He's a deceiver. He's the father of all lies. He's a sower of discord among the brethren, Scripture speaks of him. And also, the, the name devil means false accuser or slanderer. And Satan's whole goal, if he had his goal in this body, it would be to divide us. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Because he wants you to be divided so we won't work together. He hated what he saw this morning as everybody in one accord is praying to the Father together on behalf of our brothers and sisters. He hates that because we're working together. But he wants you to be divided so you don't work together. He wants you to be divided so you'll feel alone. You ever thought that? Those people don't care about me. They wouldn't even know if I missed. That's the voice of accusation. That's the voice of Satan in your head going, you know what? Those people don't care about you. No, it's not true. But he wants you to be divided so you'll feel alone. He wants you to be divided so you'll feel you aren't important. 
we looked at that last week. Every part of the body is important and useful for membership. You can't say we don't need the hand, we don't need the foot, we don't need the eye, we don't need the ear. Every member is important. He also wants you to be divided so you'll forget what's really important and can make a difference. This is what I see in the American church more than anything. It's not that we don't like each other in American society. It's not that in the Baptist church this has happened or or that's happened. But it's this one right here. As we get focused on the minor and we get focused on what we perceive to be the most important thing and we miss the mission to go and make disciples. And we miss this idea but we get so sidetracked with our own thing, our own self, that we miss working together for the mission. And Satan can even sidetrack us and get us going in that direction and and keep pushing us in that direction even when it's focused on ministry. And we miss the mission. He wants us to be divided. This is why unity is such a big deal to God. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13, 34 through 35. I give you a new command. Love one another. Say love one another. Okay, everybody now, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. And here's the kicker. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, the world is going to see whether or not we truly are who we say we are by how well we love people in this room. Now, This may have never happened to you, but I can tell you that it's happened in the church. Is that lost people begin to hang out with Christian people. And all of a sudden, this Christian person will come back and say, Well, you won't believe what happened to me at church. And all of a sudden, they're hurt or their feelings are hurt. And there's division among the people in the church. And they tell that lost person. And the lost person says, I don't need any of that. They're just a bunch of hypocrites down the church. They don't care about any of that. I mean, what they're saying, I, I don't need any of that. You should be a source of unity. If you miss any, anything that I say today, get this. You should be a source of unity. That means you should produce unity with your own life. And that means you should guard unity. You should always be a source of unity. Tom Rainer says it this way in the book, and you are to love your fellow church members unconditionally. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Come on. That's hard, isn't it? Just like, love them unconditionally. I love you, but I don't like you. You know, unconditionally. And while that doesn't mean you agree with everyone at all the time at all times, it does mean you are willing to sacrifice your own preferences to keep unity. In your church. Now this is what you might say here. Now Zach is there anything that we should be divided on? Is there anything that we should be divided on? And I would say yes. The first one is sin. We don't allow sin to rule and to reign in the body. We're divided on that. We're against sin. I don't know if you know that. Don't mean we're against the sinner. 
don't mean that we're not going to extend grace. It don't mean that we don't think that God can't reconcile. It don't mean that we think that God's totally done with that person. It just means that we're not going to stand for sin. And there's certain phrases that we use all the time in, in, in church ministry, and it's simply this. Is that hill worth dying on? You probably think about that in your marriage and in, and in raising your children. Is that such a big enough deal that I'm going to take a stand, and that means that, that if I die at this point, I'm standing for the right things. Sin is one of those things. Sin comes into your home, you need to confront it. Sin comes into your marriage, you need to confront it. Sin comes into your family, you need to confront it. Sin comes into the church, we need to confront it. The second one is false doctrine. And that means that someone is teaching something that's not true with the Bible. That does not line up with scripture. You should be divided on those things. Matters of doctrine. And so when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let me read it for you. 1 through 9. Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food, because you were not yet able to receive it. In fact, you are still not able because you are still fleshly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living like ordinary people? For whenever someone says, I'm with Paul, and another, I'm with Apollos, are you not typical men? So what is Apollos, and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believe. And each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equal. And each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers, you are God's field, God's building. I want to show you four things. I want you to write them. They're all in this text. We won't leave this text, but four things. Again, this is not an exhaustive list because I think there's multiple other things. But when we look at the church at Corinth, here are four areas that Satan used to divide them. Four areas that Satan used to divide them. The first thing is spiritual immaturity. Now, Look at what he says. Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. There are people who come into the church, they get saved, and they're spiritually immature. You need to understand this. These people still live in the flesh. A lot of times, they still live in the flesh. They don't have spiritual matters on their mind. Now, now I want you to think of this. Don't be put off by a baby's behavior. Right? Now, when you see a baby crying or screaming or whatever it is, do you go, I can't believe they'd do that. That is absolutely terrible. Why don't you stop that crying? Nobody does that, right? You go, you pick them up. You try to you know, love them as best you can? Are you hungry? What is it that you need? I want you to think about the church. 
And I've never forgot this quote. I was sitting in his house one night in, in Maston's house, and we were in small group, and he said this, and it, it just, all of a sudden, a light bulb clicked on for me. But the church is like a one-room schoolhouse, K through 12. And where you see people, and even though they may be even older than you, or, or the same age, or maybe even younger, they may be in a different grade than you are, spiritually speaking. You may have somebody in their 70s that's still a first grader, and they act like a first grader. And you think they should be an 11th grader. This is why we don't put kids who are seniors in high school on the bus with kids who are kindergartners. That would be unsafe. If you had a kindergartner and I was driving the school bus, you wouldn't want me to pull up your first stop and all of a sudden uh, your, your child gets on and you look on the bus and you're like, well, who's that? Well, well they're a senior. I'm taking them later. School. You'd be like, no, oh, no, no, this is unsafe. But the church is one of the few places in life where it's a one-room schoolhouse and everybody rides the same bus. So sometimes we get upset with spiritually immature people and we don't understand why they're being so fleshly and carnal, but they're just immature. Paul gives us a description about these immature people, and I don't know, maybe you're one of them. I fed you milk, not solid food, because you were not yet able to receive it. You see, spiritual immature people don't understand the deep things of God. They're ignorant to the deep things of God. I, we were at Jump Jam um, Friday night, or actually Saturday morning, and I shared the gospel. First time I'd ever shared the gospel in shorts and in no shoes and no socks. It was weird. Um, but I was sharing the gospel, and then afterwards, one of the employees at Jump Jam, she's a senior at, uh, at Grace Christian Academy, she came to me and she said, so... I've been talking to people and, and, and different things about this. And how would you go about doing this? And her question was basically to this effect of, what would you say to somebody if they say, you know, since God knows all things, why would he allow us to be created even if he knew we were going to reject him and go to hell anyways? Pretty deep question, isn't it, from a 17-year-old? And we sat there and we talked. And I began to share some scripture with her and those things. And she was like, I, I see this now. I, I get this. She's not spiritually immature. She knows that she's discerning deep things of God. Spiritually immature people don't care for God's word. They don't have a hunger for God's word. They're content on milk. I remember um, when we, we went from just formula to baby food for my son. And he would give us these faces, you know, like, mm, this, is, this is different. This is good. And now, um, my daughter uh, eats these squeeze pouches of baby food. We love them because they're just, you know, grab a pouch and she's hungry and we'll, we'll give her these squeeze pouches. And I tried to give Luke one the other day because he used to eat these. And he took, you know, just, I, I want it. And he, he took it and he was like, ugh. You know, because he's used to solid food now. And see, here's the thing. There are people in the church that when you give them solid food and the truth of God's word, they don't know how to digest it yet. That's why when you look at a baby and they're crying and they're, and they're performing all this behavior, you don't look at them and go, stop that crying. Dry it up. Maybe some of you dads said that. I don't know. My dad would always say, stop that crying before I give you something to cry about. I don't know. But you pick them up, you console them, and you find out what they need. 
The same thing with spiritually immature people in the church. If we protect unity within the church, we go to them and we say, hey, listen, you're looking at this different. let, Let me show you what God's word says about this. And you give them the things that they need. And you love them. And you're there for them. The second thing, tool that God uses is not just spiritual, or I'm sorry, that Satan uses is not just spiritual immaturity, but it's gossip. Factions. A faction is a division. The word there in the Greek is, is, is it says here, it says, verse 3, because you are still fleshly, for since there is envy and strife among you, that word there really is, is, is a division, it's a faction. It means that you guys are arguing with one another, and you're turned against one another, and you're gossiping about one another, and all of this can play into it. And here's the thing, Satan will use gossip more than anything to run a church. Do you know, I don't think there's much more that can run a church besides immorality and false doctrine than, there, than gossip. Because all of a sudden you, you see people in the back hallway at church or you, you see people in the parking lot or in your group and, well, did you hear what they're doing? Did you hear what's going on? Hey, we need to pray for them. No, you just need to quit gossiping and pray for them. Right? We, we don't realize that it's gossip. People who gossip hurt others because of their own selfishness. Do you, do you understand that? And this is something my dad always taught me, and it's not found in Scripture, but it is so wise and so, so true. Zach, if somebody, if you're around someone who's your friend that's talking about others behind their back, you better believe that when you're not around, they'll talk about you behind your back. They're gossips. I mean, it's so true, and I've seen it come, come to pass in my life. This is the main thing that Paul is addressing with this church. And when you look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 29 through 31, Paul lays out this whole list of unrighteous acts and listen to what's in the middle of it. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers. God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Gossip is mentioned in a list of unrighteous acts, but we blow it off as like it's no big deal. I've met people who were so spiritually immature that they got offended that people missed church, but they didn't get offended that they talked about everybody behind their back. And I'm sitting here going, Can't see the forest for the trees, folks. Spiritually immature, gossiping and arguing. So here's, if you, if you have a trouble with this, if you're like, well, what, is, what do I do when somebody comes to me with what they're, you know, somebody tells me something. Here's the first two things. You can write these down. Don't be a source of gossip. Don't gossip about someone. Go to them and ask them. Don't say things that you don't know are true. It's just gossiping. It's immoral. It shows no signs of integrity. Don't be a source of gossip. 
If someone shares gossip with you, gently rebuke them. Listen, I love you, but we don't need to be talking about that. You don't even know if that's true. Just gently rebuke them in love. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to hear that. I remember um, a few weeks ago, I was listening to a message um, driving home. And uh, I don't know anything about the message that was, that was preached, but uh, Rocky Ramsey at Corrington Baptist Church said this, and it, and it goes with this. Is he, he said something to this effect. If people bring you their gossip all the time, then they, they care enough about you to bring you their trash. You need to realize that. If people never come to you with any victories, with any joys, with anything about the word of God or anything, all they care enough about you is to bring you their garbage. And that just stuck in my mind. I was like, that, that makes so much sense. Because if people just want to gossip to me all the time, then they care nothing about me except to bring me their garbage. When's the last time somebody came to you and said, listen, I've been praying for this in my life and this is what God's doing. That's what you want to hear. Hey, uh, I know you've been struggling with this and dealing with this. This is a scripture God laid on my heart. I, I just wanted you to know it. Hey, how's your kids doing? Hey, how's the family doing? Did you hear about so-and-so? I don't need to hear that. And it's tempting to want to go, no, what did they say? But it's a division part of the church, and it'll divide a church. Here's the third tool that Satan uses, is it's a refusal to forgive. A refusal to forgive. These people, look at what it says. It says, there was envy and strife among you. Are you not fleshly and living like ordinary people? The idea here is he's saying, when you do this, are you not living like you're unsaved? Are you not living like your lives haven't been changed? You're refusing to forgive. You're refusing to come to some type of unity. You know, this church at Corinth was jealous of one another. And when jealousy comes into play, we all of a sudden start slandering, gossiping, and like, I'm never going to help them. I'll never do that. You know, and we refuse to forgive. Today was a perfect picture of what the body is supposed to look like. And I can tell you at this church at Reedsview, I've seen it over and over and over and over again of a picture of what the body is supposed to look like. Where someone goes through something terrible in their life and our body pulls together and mourns with them and prays with them and loves on them. And then somebody goes through something awesome. And we rejoice with them. And we're excited for them. And we encourage them. But sometimes in the body when things start going good for somebody, Satan uses that to say, well, why didn't that happen for you? Look at what you're going through. And that can be a source of division. A refusal to forgive. You make an enemy with somebody in the church. Somebody hurts your feelings. Someone says something. Can I tell you, I'd have left a long time ago if somebody said something that hurt my feelings and it made me leave. I mean, serious. If we're always just never going to forgive, then we've, we really have shown that we don't know what true forgiveness is about. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5. 
He said, so if you were offering your gift on the altar, in other words, you come to worship, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In other words, there's no way you're going to worship me the way you're supposed to worship me if you don't forgive your brother or sister that has something against you or has done something to you. Listen to what Colossians says. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And here's the key verse. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity see when you refuse to forgive satan uses that to divide us even more here's what you need to understand every church is made up of imperfect members every church is made up of imperfect pastors everyone at some point will let you down everyone you have to be willing to forgive love And trust in the one who will never let you down, which is Jesus. So, a refusal to forgive is something that Satan will use to divide a church. And then the last one, and I know no one wants to talk about this because it don't apply to any of us, is preferences and desires. Look what he says in verse 4. For whenever someone says, I'm with Paul... And another, I'm with Apollos. Are you not typical men? In other words, are you acting like you're Christians? You're, you're saying, I like this person, and I like that person, and this is my preference, and this is my preference. Listen to what he says. So what is Apollos, and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role God has given him. I planted, that's Paul, Apollos watered, That's another one. But God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Do you see what he's saying here? These people were divided because they were focused on their preferences and their desires. And instead of looking at it and saying, God, what do you want? God, you're the only one that can bless this place. God, you're the only one that can move and and, grow. put us in the position that that you want us to be in. It's only by you. It's not by any leader. It's not by any any member. It's not by any person in particular. It is you who gives the growth. So what do you want? But they weren't. They were divided. Well, I'm with this one, and I'm with that one. Well, Well, let's do this, and let's do that. They were focused on who they thought grew their church and neglected their mission. Now, if we went around the room today and we talked about, hey, give me your experience of what you know in the Baptist church of, of why churches have split. Here's, here's some things that probably would say. Worship wars. We hear about this all the time in church, church life. Well, they were doing hymns and we wanted contemporary praise songs and they were doing this and they were doing that. So we're divided. Colors of carpet. Anybody ever heard of that? I know you laugh, but it's true, folks. They left because we changed the color of the carpet. They got mad. 
I didn't like mauve. So we went with tan and somebody else liked mauve. And so, you know, they, they left. It happens all the time. The pain of the church. We remodeled a church at South Clinton and I had ladies furious with me that I painted it one shade lighter of the same color. Supplies in the church. Well, don't you know, we, we gave this and we got that and we did that and all of a sudden they're not using it anymore. I'm mad. It's our preferences and our desires. Here's a big one. The type of Sunday school curriculum. Well, they wanted to change, and they started preach. They started teaching this other stuff. I don't even know if it's Christian. It's not Lifeway. I want you to see what he says. When we get so focused on our preferences and our desires, look back to verse three, brother, or verse one. Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. See, I could, I could title this whole section spiritual immaturity. But the reason they're divided is several issues. But if we get so focused on our preferences and our desires that we miss the mission that God has given us, we've missed it. God gives us all gifts, all abilities, every single thing to serve him and one another. But God is responsible for the growth. You realize that? So what is Apollos? And what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given him. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So it really don't matter what we preach. Really don't matter who leads worship. Really doesn't matter who serves if we interchange throughout the church. You know what does matter? Is that we find the one who's giving the growth and we cry out to him. And we try to maintain a source of unity in our church that we love one another no matter what's going on in our church. See, when we get focused on our preferences and our desires, Satan will use it to divide us. And here's the thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dismiss. I want you to understand this. Jesus never thought of his preferences and desires. As a matter of fact, it says he emptied himself. And took on the form of a servant. And became obedient to death on a cross. See, <laughs> the disciples were arguing one time saying, well, who's the greatest, Jesus? And he's like, well, I'll tell you. Whoever wants to be the greatest must become the least. Must become the last. The last will be the greatest. And the greatest will become the last or the least. So all of a sudden, they're self-centered, focused on themselves, and who's the greatest? Tell us who's the greatest. And he's like, I'll tell you. Whoever serves. Whoever's the least will become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So once again, I'll say this. Spiritual immaturity. Gossip. A refusal to forgive. And specifically following our preferences and our desires. I have preferences. I have desires. But it should never overtake the mission that God has given me. And that God has given each and every one of us. And we should be a source 
of unity. A good church member is a unified church member. They guard it and they produce it.